Okay, I want to talk to you tonight about um, something God laid on my heart and uh, concerning uh, the life of Jacob. And I kind of want to back up a little bit. And uh, if I mean, you're all Bible students here, right? I mean, you like you're here for Bible study, okay? So I'm not going to be entertaining tonight. I'm probably going to be just going, okay? So you can stay with me. So I want to start in. Uh, Genesis 24, I say I'm not going to be entertaining. These stories are just off the chart, <laughs> off the chart, exciting actually. So uh, now what had happened here and where I want to pick up, I don't want to talk about Abraham, which that would be a good subject, of course. He's the father of faith and <clears throat> You might remember that it took him something like 24 years before he had a son, Isaac, and he had the promise way before he had the son, way before he had the son. You know, he had to look up at the stars in the sky, and God had to promise him descendants that would, he, sa he said, Abraham, count them, try to count them, just try to count the stars, and try to get that down inside of him, that he's going to be a great nation, he's going to make a great nation out of this man. So Abraham moved from Haran, which is far, far north of, of where he was, God was taking him. He moved way down to an area of Hebron, uh, way south in the, the, the land of Canaan. I don't want to go into too much detail, but there are all these tribes down there. There's the Hittites, and there's all these, these idolatrous nations that were in that, that area. And God led him down there, and uh, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. Well, it's Abraham and Sarah and his servant Eliezer and probably a lot of servants. You know, Abraham was a pretty wealthy man. You know, he, God blessed him, okay? And so he's, he's there, and, but they're few in number, okay? And so Abraham believed, and uh, he find, Abraham got to the point where he just said, well, I'm not going to consider my body. I'm not going to consider Sarah's body. I'm not going to consider how old we are. I'm just going to. God said, we'll have a son, we'll have a son. And so Isaac was born. It was a miracle. Sarah was 90 years old when he was born. I mean, get this picture. She's 90 years old. Now, where I want to pick it up is where Sarah has passed away in, in chapter 23, verse 1, just that one verse. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So she had a pretty full life, right? 127 years. So she's passed away now. Okay, now I'll go to the next chapter, chapter uh, 24, verse 1. Abraham is concerned about something. And see if you can pick up what is the, the, the power of his, this concern that he has here. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to his, the oldest servant in his house, I think it's Eliezer, but doesn't say the name, okay, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Now keep in mind, this is something like 400 miles away. I mean, this is like a, tra a real journey to even get to where he's going. So you can see he's going to go there to find a woman for Isaac and say, come with me. She's got to be willing to leave her family and go back. So the servant is kind of concerned. That's why he's asking. You see that? Okay. And then, then he says, must I take your son back to the land from which you came? That's a question. Well, obviously, if he had the son with him, it might help. <laughs> you know, I mean, if she could see him, it might help. But look what Abraham said in verse 6. Now, Abraham's with, he's got a lot of wisdom here. This, this, I see a lot of wisdom here. But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. 
the Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I will give this land and he will send his angel before you and shall take a wife for my son from there. Okay, so he's believing, Abraham believes that there's, there's an angel going to make this happen. If, it, you know, if you need an angel to help you, it's going to help you. But don't worry about whether she comes with you or not. You just go get her and bring her back here and leave Isaac right here because we don't want him there. We want him here in the land that God gave him. You see? Now, I almost want to pause here a little bit because, you know, there's a lot of people who move from church to church. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you kind of got to decide. Now, where did God put you? Okay. So I'm just, that's just free, okay? <laughs> so anyway. So uh, anyway, you get the picture. Abraham is very ser- uh, serious about this. Now, I don't know exactly what this means. Put, put your hand under my thigh, but it sounds serious. <laughs> so the, uh, the servant... Uh, put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this man. I mean, this is a, this is a serious matter. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, our sons and our daughters, they go out and they look around and they pick somebody and almost wish we had these rules, you know, of, of just, you know, the parents getting to plan. Sometimes I wonder. But look at the stress that's on the servant. He's got to find the right person, right? He's got to find the right one. Okay, so anyway, he's on about a, probably a little more than a two-week journey, okay? And we figured it up. You know, camels go at three miles an hour, and he gets ten camels. He's got ten camels. I don't know why he needed ten. I'm not sure. I still haven't figured. They say that ten is a number of completion. It means something, but I, I don't know. But anyway, he's, he's, this is a serious journey. This is not just getting in the family car and going somewhere. This is a long, you know, over two weeks of journey. Okay, and then he gets to, uh, he has a strategy. So verse 13 says, behold, let's see, oh, wait a minute. Let me go to verse 12. Then he said to the Lord, okay, so the servant is going, he's outside the city, he's at the well of the wa- where they bring water up at evening time. He's not stupid. He knows that in the evening time at the well, this is when the ladies come to get water. Okay? This is just, this is not necessarily supernatural wisdom. This is just, you know, this is where they come. Okay? So now he, but he's going to (laughs) pray because a lot of things could go wrong here. Okay? Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham. Please give me success this day and show kindness of my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you've appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you've shown kindness to my master. Okay. A lot of this has to do with he's got to come through for his master Abraham. Once in a while he mentions Isaac, but the big deal here is he, he, made, he swore in an oath that he would you know, do this and do it right. Okay. Now he's trusting God. He's put his prayer out there, his prayer of faith. And, and it happened. Now this is the way God works. Um, this is the way God works. And it happened. Before he had finished speaking, get that. Before he had finished speaking, God had the woman there. Okay? That he, behold, Rebekah, I don't, he probably didn't know her name at that time, who was born to Bethuel, son of Melchah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. Now notice, this is the family that Abraham is wanting to connect to. He's wanting to connect. This Nahor is Abraham's brother. So, uh, 
so this lady, it says, uh, Abraham's brother came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now, the young woman was very beautiful, and behold, a virgin, no man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet, to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. I'm not sure what she would think, a man running up to her that she's never seen before. She's probably seeing 10 camels, you know, and she's probably putting two and two together. Looks like the guy's got a little money. Looks like he's got, he's on a bit, he's, you know, he's serious traveler here, you know. So he runs up from her and he is asking for water. Okay, here's the, here's the important thing. She has to respond the right way. If she doesn't respond the right way, he's going to cross her off the list. If she responds the right way, she's the one. He won't even look for another one. You know, I mean, this is it. <clears throat> so she said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him drink. And when she had finished giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. There you go. She offered to draw water from, for the camels. Why do you think that was important to this servant? I mean, why, of all the things, all the qualifications, what about her talents and abilities? What about, could she sing? You know, what about... A lot of other things that men would look at. But what was the servant trying to get to? He's trying to get to the heart of the matter. And what's the heart of the matter? It's the servant's. Does the word servant come to anybody besides me? It's a servant's heart, isn't it? He's looking for a servant's heart. If he finds a servant's heart, then he's going to believe. He's already prayed. He's going to believe that all the other stuff is there, you know. Also, he knows she's good looking, right? Lucked out there, you know? I mean, she's good looking. She just happens to be good looking. And she's a virgin, okay? Very important, okay? So the servant has got to be, he's got to feel a weight come off his shoulders now because, okay. So uh, let's see. Okay, so now I'm going to go on. Now, I think a camel probably can drink about 50 gallons of water <laughs> when it's thirsty. There's 10 of them. This lady has got a lot of water to pull up. This is not just watering, you know, a horse or something. There's 10 camels. She's watering all 10 camels. Wow, what a lady. Okay, so, uh, so she begins to describe to him who she is and, uh, okay, so let me go to verse 27 now. I'm skipping a few verses. Okay. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Okay, he's saying, God, you led me to this house. I mean, is it okay to be that spiritual? I mean, is that normal? Is that the way we should be? Really, isn't it? Isn't that the way we should be? Okay, verse 28. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Oh, you know what? I left out something. Let's see if we can hear it. Um, okay, I left out verse 22. Very important. Let me go to verse 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring wearing, weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels of gold. He put gold on her right there. Okay? So, he's, so she goes to her family wearing gold. Okay? So then that's where this uh, verse 29 now. Now Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Remember that name, Laban, okay, Rebekah's brother. And Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. 
Okay, so he got an invitation into the home now from her brother Laban and I believe also uh, her father. Okay, so now I want to see here. So they set food before him and, uh, and then the servant began to explain things about Abraham because there's some explaining to do here. You know, I mean, okay, it was Abraham and Sarah and, it, and you know, they had a son and it took a long time and they got a son and he's the son of promise. And, and, uh, and then he says, uh, let's see, verse 36. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master and when she was old, and, and to him he has given all that he has. Well, Isaac's going to get the whole estate. There's no split, okay? 100% goes to Isaac. So everything Abraham has goes to him. He's letting him know that, okay? So you're talking about a young man who's got some money, okay? Uh, so, okay. All right, so then he goes in to explain a lot about, you know, meeting her and her with the pitcher and everything. So now let, uh, let me go to verse 48. You guys still with me? Did I lose anybody yet? Okay. <laughs> we got to do something here. We got the lady. We got we to get her where she's supposed to go, right? She still hadn't said she's going anywhere, right? And the parents haven't said, yeah, she can go. So that's kind of where we are. Okay. And I bowed my head and I worshiped the Lord and I blessed the Lord of my master Abraham who led me in the way of the truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Now, basically, he's saying, all right, I want to know right now, am I on the right track or not? You know, and then this is pretty amazing in verse 50. Then Laban and, and Bethuel answered and said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. In other words, they're saying, well, we don't know if it's bad or good, but it's from the Lord. That settles it. That's a pretty good answer, you know. Okay, so here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. Okay, all right, so he's, uh, he's got the authority now of the, the father and the brothers there with her also, okay? So he's got the authority of the parents, all right? There is one minor detail left, and that is whether Rebecca will go or not, you know? So then, uh, let's see. Uh, in verse 58, we'll just go to 58. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. That's it. She's going. All right. And of course, the mother and the parents wanted her to stay an extra 10 days, of course. I mean, I mean, she meets a man. She comes home. And now she's going on a 400-mile trip on a camel. You know, so she's leaving home. I mean... There's not going to be a whole lot of visiting going, you know, I mean, so she is actually leaving home. She's agreed to go, but, uh, but the servant said, don't, don't hinder me. I've got to go back, report back to my master. I mean, Abraham, boy, this is some serious respect for authority. Do you see that? I mean, this is a servant under command, under orders, and he is promised Abraham that he would not take Isaac there. He would leave him where he is. He would go. He would find the right person, and then he would bring her back, okay? Now, in verse, uh, well, let me get verse 60 here. They pray, the family prayed a prayer over her, and they said, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty strong prayer. Do you pray over your kids that way? I wonder, I feel somewhat guilty. I don't, 
know if I pray that way, but I, we should pray over our kids that way, right? We should pray not just a little, not just help them make it through today kind of prayers, but this is like, you know, so she's going to be the mother of thousands of ten thousands. Okay. Then Rebecca and her maids arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. Now, Rebecca's family was not poor. They're not on the poor side of town either because she's got maids going with her. You see that? Okay. So what we're talking about here, we have not talked about anybody yet that's poor, you know, and, and I know money can re- really be a problem for a lot of people, but Abraham was very wealthy, and then you know, Isaac's inheriting what he has. And then it looks like that Abraham's family, back where, where they lived in Herod, had wealth and prosperity too. So that's good. Okay? All right, so uh, now... Verse 63, let's see. So they, they're, they're on the trip now, and the, it says, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. So, he's not going to know what she looks like, exactly. Okay, and the servant told Isaac all the things he'd done, and Isaac brought her into her mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So it's about three years after his mother's death. Isaac is really kind of a home, I mean, he stayed home. He wasn't one of these to go out and try to travel around on his own or anything. And, and he was probably grieving over his mother's death. And, and so uh, she was a comfort to him at that time. Isn't this a beautiful story? Absolutely beautiful story. I mean, how could it be any more beautiful? I mean, what could you do to it to make it, you know, I, I don't know. This is really, this is good. Okay, now in uh, chapter 25, verse 5, and Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. I just want to mention that. And Okay. Now I'm going to go to, I'm in chapter 25. I'm going to go to verse 20. All right, Isaac was 40 years old. Now this, this is uh, three years later. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife. Well, no, wait, that's not right. No, it's not three years later. This, he's 40 years old when he, when he married her. Okay. okay. The daughter of Bethuel and the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Okay, so this is years later now uh, that uh, his wife, Rebekah, was barren, and she could not have a child, okay? It, isn't it interesting that two of the most important women in the whole Bible had a problem with being barren, Sarah and Rebecca. But both of them, through the faith of their husbands and, of course, them also, through their prayer, they went to God and he healed them and he answered their prayer. And this is no different. So the perfect story almost looked unperfect. You know, we said, Is, could you make it any more perfect? Well, she was barren, okay? But we, you know, so we go through difficult times, don't we? But we pray, we stand in faith, and God answers our prayer, and he helps us, okay? So now we're good again because she's conceived, right? All right. So, but the children struggled together within her, 
And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So something was going on in her womb, okay? Children being, you know, plural, okay? There's two. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One, person, uh, one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Wow. Okay, so this is quite a prophecy, because in that day, especially in that day, the eldest son was special. The eldest son got the blessing of the family. The eldest son led the family. The eldest son was responsible for a lot of things that the other sons were not, okay? Now, she has a prophecy. God is, is entrusting to her at the beginning, before the, before the babies are ever born, God is entrusting to her this knowledge, this understanding that the older shall serve the younger, and there will be two nations come out of her, okay? All right, so when her days were fulfilled, for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took a hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him. Wow. Okay, so we've got twins, and we've got Esau, the eldest, because he was born first. We've got Jacob, second, born second. But keep in mind, he had his hand, a baby now, had his hand around his brother's heel. Okay? Had his hand around his brother's heel. So he was kind of a grabby little baby, right? He was a grabber. He was one that would grab and hold on and try to get, he was trying to be number one, wasn't he? He was trying to be first. This is, this is kind of off, you know, this is a baby now we're talking about here. So, uh, all right. So the name, uh, uh, the name Esau means, I got several different names as I looked it up. It can mean hairy. It can mean kind of rough, like, you know, and uh, and then, it says that he came out red, so he was reddish in color, okay? And then the name Jacob means supplanter, or you could say deceiver. And uh, you think, Lord, why did they give him that name? Well, keep in mind that Rebecca knew what the prophecy was, right? And uh, somehow... You know, that's, that's the name that they were given at birth, okay? So, supplanter, meant, I, get, I suppose the intent was that Jacob would overtake his brother's position, you know? So, okay, so, in verse 27, so the boys grew, and Esau was a skilled hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked the stew, and Esau came from the field and was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Okay. Uh, I believe that means red is the, the name there. But that Edom is the nation that would be, you know, represented by him. So the Edomites... Where had you know in the future we'll find out they're enemies of God and have all kinds of troubles trouble with the Edomites. But okay, so that's that's his name. Okay, and then verse thirty one. But Jacob said, "Sell me your birthright as of this day." And Esau said, "Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me?" Then Jacob said, "Swear to me as of this day." So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. That is really strange to me. Is that strange to you? Esau despised his birthright. Now, we're talking about, 
you got to keep in mind these are these are not little boys anymore. They're they're adults now. Okay, and so Esau apparently was one that liked to. Um, he he was more of a worldly type of man. He he didn't he didn't really care about being a spiritual leader in the family. You know, you say, you're going to be the spiritual leader in the family to Esau, and he's going to, ah, forget it. You know, I mean, he's, you know. So the birthright, along with the blessing, we'll find out later, there's a blessing that the father has to impart, okay? The birthright and the blessing apparently are both, you know, they're, they're somewhat separate, but they're, they're both needed, and they're both indicating Who's the head of the family? Okay, and so Esau just despised his birthright. He he didn't care about being number one in the family. Supposedly, he he just you know he he wanted to be free apparently from the responsibility of it. That's the only thing I can pick up there. All right. So uh, also Jacob was pretty shrewd about you know actually making him swear and swear to him and try to make it absolutely legal that he had it and <clears throat> it was it was like a sale okay here's a bowl of beans for your birthright now what goofy guy would do that I mean who would do that you know but uh, anyway Esau did this all right okay now we come to chapter uh, 26, and I'm going to do a little skipping around there, okay? Now, let me go to 26, verse 34. Now, as we go on, we're going to find out a little more about the two, the two men, Esau and Jacob. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beeri, uh, Beeri the Hittite, and Besemeth the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. So when he was 40 years old, he took for wives two Hittite women. Now, what do you think Abraham would have had to say about that one? Hmm? No, not good, okay? Now, if you read verse 35, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. A grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Okay, so the Hittites... I'm not going to really teach on Hittites tonight or try to explain all about Hittites, but all I know about them was that they were heathen nations, one of the heathen nations in that area. They were idol worshipers, okay? They probably burned incense. They probably made sacrifices to their gods, all kinds of things. Uh, so why do you think that Esau taking these two wives were a grief of mind Isaac and Rebecca. What do you think there would be a grief of mine? They're in the same household. They live nearby. Esau's going to have sons. Now you've got a blending of two totally different beliefs. One is the God of Abraham. One is a rock or a tree or something. You know, I mean, you know, it's, there's, it's like light and darkness coming together here. Okay, no disrespect for any person, of course, but just, just look at the importance here of what he did. And, and, and some say that he did this in order to grieve his parents. He did it just to aggravate them. He did it just to, you know, uh, so, but, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but anyway. So, we, we, we just got through reading about this, this wonderful marriage between Isaac and Rebecca, and now, the fa and now Abraham's gone on, you know, and then here's another generation coming on, and then one of the sons goes out and just marries a couple of ladies, okay? So, you see... And it's, it's going to, here's the deal. It's going to be a little hard for God to, to, uh, to, to give his word 
that Abraham and the descendants of Abraham are going to inherit the land and that their descendants are going to be as the sand on the sea. And, you know, you heard the prayer that was prayed over Rebecca, you know. And uh, so now, now you're, you're mixing in here totally different beliefs. And uh, so now what is, and one of the questions I have, what is God going to do with this situation? What is he going to do? How does God redeem somebody that steps over the line and does the wrong thing? Have you ever done anything wrong? All of us have done things wrong, okay? So there has to be some way to repent, some way to get back, some way to, to reconcile this. Okay, so let's move on here then. All right, so now in chapter 27, now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said to him, my son, and he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons and quiver and your bow and go out in the field and hunt game for me and make me a savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may be bless you before I die. Okay, so Isaac now has chosen a point in time that he is going to bless Esau. Why is he going to bless Esau? Because he is the eldest, okay? The eldest gets the blessing, okay? Do you think Isaac knows about the prophecy that was given to Rebekah? Do you think he knows that the the Lord spoke to her and said that the older will serve the younger. Yes, I think he does. Okay, so he is aware of what God has said. He is going ahead with the way things are done. You know, the oldest gets the blessing. Okay, all right. But in verse 5, Rebekah was listening, and she overheard him talking to Isaac. Okay. And uh, Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it. So Rebekah goes to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I've heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring the game and make savory food for me. And on down, let's go down to verse 8. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go into the flock, bring me two choice kids of goats, and I will make a savory food from them. For your father loves uh, such as he loves, and then you shall take it to your father that you may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me and shall seem to be a deceiver. I will seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Well, that's a valid thing to say at this point, don't you think? I mean, he's bringing up to his mother. He's going to know I'm deceiving him. He's going to know, you know. And then, instead of him getting a blessing, he's going to bring a curse down on himself. Okay, so verse 13. But the mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them, and he brought them to his mother, and his mother made the savory food, okay? And then Rebekah took the, the choi uh, choice clothes of the elder son, Esau. So she took Esau's clothes, okay? And she put them on Jacob, and then she put skins of kids of goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And then she gave the savory food and bread, which she had prepared, into the hand of her son Jacob, now, was this lady planning all this in advance? I mean, if she didn't plan this in advance, she's got to be the fastest thinker because Esau's out hunting. As soon as he gets a, a kill, he's going to bring it in, fix it, and bring it. She's trying to get Jacob in there before he gets back. In the meantime, she's got to fix the goats, She's got skins to put on him, clothes to dress him. I mean, this thing is just exotic. 
And it's all about deception, isn't it? Isn't it? It's just got a, it just kind of smells, right? Okay. So, all right. So verse 18. So he went to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? So Isaac is asking him who he is. Now let's see if we can kind of keep track if Jacob tells a lie, okay? So Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Oh, there's the first lie right there, right? Okay. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, set and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. That's a lie, right? It's goats from his backyard, right? So that's a lie. There's two lies. Okay, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Oh, Isaac suspects something, right? Now, you know, supposedly Isaac is totally blind, just totally blind, right? That's what we believe here. So, uh, but he suspects something. So Jacob went near Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So Isaac suspected something, right? All right? And he did not recognize him because the, his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. That's a lie, isn't it? Okay. So, uh, wow. Wow. So again, Isaac suspected something, right? He suspected that he was being deceived. Multiple times he suspected that he's being deceived. But he's going on with this. Okay. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine and drink. And the father said to Isaac, and um, then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and the smell of smell of his clothing, and blessed him and said, uh, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, nations bow down to you, be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone that curses you, and blessed uh, be those who bless you. Wow, what a prayer. Okay, that's a blessing. Okay. So, although Isaac seemed to suspect something here, he went ahead and blessed him. He didn't, like, pause or delay it or anything of that nature. He just went ahead and did this. Okay. In verse 30, now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, and Esau his brother came in from the hunting. And he had made a savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father rise and eat my, uh, of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And the father said to Isaac, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. Wow. So when the father blessed, he's blessed. You know, there's, there's a, and I, I paused there a little bit. You know, this is pretty deep teaching, really. But, you know, when a father blesses, he doesn't take it back, you know. So, uh, I was just thinking, the way, uh, the way God blesses us with spiritual gifts, et cetera, et cetera, he doesn't take them back. He gives gifts, he doesn't take them back. He gives them, they're for you. Now, Life is a choice. You can make bad choices. You could do the wrong thing. But you're still living under a blessing. And the enemy tries and tries to convince you 
that you're not blessed or something's wrong or you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong. Now, in the case of Jacob, look how many things he did wrong. A lot of things, right? And his mother did a lot of things deceptive and wrong, too. And I wonder about Isaac, if he didn't, shouldn't have paused or hesitated. Almost, and now, this is, not, this is not me teaching the Bible now. I'm just telling you what I think might be. I'm wondering if Isaac's thinking about the prophecy, and they're thinking about the word they have from the Lord, and how are we going to make this happen? And maybe I need to help make it happen because I could die tomorrow, and you know. So I have to put the blessing out because I have to do it before I die, and because, and there might be some fear there that he was going to die soon, and this had to be done. It need to be done right now. And I, I know in my life, one of the things, and most of the time when I make huge mistakes in my life, the real dumb things that I do in life are mostly because I get in a hurry. I get in a hurry. I feel like I'm boxed in. I have pressure around me. I have to make a decision. I have to do something right now. And it's when that I have to do something right now, many times, that's where I make a mistake. You know. So, always surround yourself with peace on decisions and give yourself plenty of time because, you know, especially serious things like this. So now Isaac, you know, trembled. It says he trembled exceedingly. I mean, he's just shaking. He's totally shaken up. I mean, apparently he really believed he gave the blessing to Esau. Okay? And so now, now what is he going to do? Now, uh, in verse 36, Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now he's taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, Isaac said, well, I've already given the blessing. But finally, Isaac did pray a blessing over Esau in verse 39. And he said, behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. Whoa, his blessing put this down. Now it's, now it's come out of his mouth. This, is, this, makes it, this puts it into effect. You know, when God spoke it to Rebecca, it was not, you know, it was a prophecy. But now when a man confesses it, and a man in authority confesses it, and he's in authority, right, over his household, now he is putting it into effect that Jacob is now over Esau, officially, okay? And it came to pass, when you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Boy, you know, we started off with this beautiful little wedding, Isaac and Rebecca. She was barren, then she had twins. Everything is going pretty good until right now. Now it's like the family is falling apart. Does anybody have any situation in your family that reminds you of a family falling apart? I mean, all the pitfalls of today, all the perversions of today, all the deception of today. And here's a, this is the family that, that's, you know, if we go to Matthew, first chapter, we can read the genealogy. This is what's going to happen. Christ is going to come through the lineage of David. David's, we got to get to David. We're just starting out, okay? So, uh, all right. Now, let me go to verse 46. Uh, this is this really... Rebecca said to Isaac, she said, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heath. She's talking about the, the, the women that Esau married. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heath, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to him, to me? So now she's putting two and two together. She says, what if Jacob goes out and marries a Hittite woman 
What if he just runs away to get away from Esau and he just goes out and marries? Then what, what's going to happen then? You know? And so she gathered Jacob together and she said in verse, uh, let's see, chapter 28, verse 2, Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your uh, mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And then she prayed a prayer over him. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of people and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants descending with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger which God gave to Abraham. Wow. So now Jacob's leaving. And it's, it's a sad day for for Rebecca, because he will never see her again. It's, you know, sin doesn't come without a price, okay? But nevertheless, if Jacob does the right thing, I mean, if he comes to himself and, and, and really, you know, Jacob in his heart, he wants God. He's just trying to do things more like a man would do them, you know. And so now Jacob's on the run, and he's going to do what Rebecca told him to do. He's going to go back to Haran. Now, here's that 400-mile journey again, okay? Remember the 400-mile journey? He's going to go that same route again, okay? Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba. I'm on verse 10. And he went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and he stayed there all night because the sun had set and he took of the stones in the place of that place and he put it at his head and he laid down in the place of sleep. And then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth and the, its top reached the heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread across to the east, the west, the east, the north, the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And then he called that place Bethel, which means house of God. Wow. Isn't it amazing what a word of God can do? Doesn't this change the situation? God knows that he's not doing everything right. God knows that Jacob has lied. God knows that he's made mistakes. But God didn't give up on him, did he? He gave him a vision of angelic beings, like almost like the gate of heaven. He gave him a vision of angelic beings going back and forth between earth and heaven as ministering spirits to people on earth. And then he spoke this wonderful word. So now the word that was given to Abraham and passed down to Isaac is now passed down to Jacob. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Well, I hope you got something out of this tonight.